Hi, it's Peter Dugan, and it's so great to be with you for this week's podcast. We need your support to keep bringing you these wonderful young players each week. So if you can, please reach out to us with a contribution at fromthetop.org. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks, and here's the program. This is Peter Dugan, and you're listening now to the 17-year-old cellist Noah Chen. He's the first young musician on this week's From the Top, and he and I are performing the absolutely gorgeous piece Lost Michelin by Antonin Dvorak.
That was 17-year-old cellist Noah Chen from Chicago, Illinois, performing Lost Mich Align by Antonin Dvorak. And welcome to this week's From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan, and I had the sublime pleasure of collaborating with Noah at the piano. Noah and I recorded that performance at the Merritt School of Music in Chicago, and a big thank you to Merritt for hosting our in-person recording sessions this week at Gottlieb Hall on their campus. Noah and I sat on the stage of Gottlieb to chat after going through the experience of playing that music together. What a gorgeous performance. You can really make that cello sing, Noah, and make it cry. It was really special to play it with you. Thank you. Thank you. I actually am quite familiar with your family because your older sister was on the show a few years ago, and your family has done some online concerts for From the Top. Uh, and just to be clear, your whole family plays music. I mean, your dad's a concertmaster of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, for crying out loud. So um, what I didn't understand, though, about you and your family until I read about you is that you have done a huge amount of free concerts for various communities all over the city of Chicago. Like, where do you all play? Yeah, so our family, um, well, actually, this, this goes back to when I first started playing an instrument when I was about five Maybe I started on the piano, and my teacher had us go to a local retirement home and play concerts there. So ever since I've been playing an instrument, going out and playing for the community has been a part of what I do. Um, and especially more recently, we've been going to, we have like a circuit of old age homes, retirement homes that we go yeah. to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, you're, you're being uh, modest, of course, about... The, the extent of the impact, but I know that you've really, you know, it's practically, you could call it a tour, the extent to which you all have performed at these retirement homes. I'm curious how the feeling of that performance experience in a venue like a retirement home, how that compares to you versus when you're, you know, on a more formal concert hall stage. I'd say that it's, it's really important to just perform a lot, and it's, it's the best place to do it because the audience is so appreciative. Hmm. And you can come, and it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect. Yeah. And you, you can come in, and you can experiment, and you can try different things. Right. And they'll love it you know, a right. lot of the time. Right. So there's that freedom there. Yeah. And it's, you, it's great for a sense of community, because every time I go back, it's like visiting many sets of grandparents. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love that. Of course, the family quartet is, is inspiring for you, but when it comes to practicing, you describe it as a kind of private and very personal thing. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think as, as a musician, you have to be very comfortable sitting in a room with yourself, mm. you know, just grinding away at things. And not, not just for physical, technical things, but just exploration of just yourself. You know, how do you hear this music? What do you want from it? Mm. Um, and to me, that's, it's such a, I value the personal aspect of it. Yeah, that's such a um, deeply true concept that we need to learn how to live in a room with ourselves. I'm just processing that because that's not always easy, you know, because it means like confronting our um, what we what we love about music, but also coming face to face with our flaws, too, and learning how to live and love those. Um, Noah, you finished high school uh, early and at 
age 17, you've already started college at Juilliard. Congrats. Thank you. When, when we were having our From the Top pizza gathering last night and all just hanging out, you said that what's making you most happy in your first year there is, I, I think you used the word expanding. Hmm. Expanding. Tell me what that means. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been working with, I mean, I, I kept my person, uh, private teacher from high school, but I've also added another one. And I've just been learning so much from both of them, both of those influences. But it's also, to me, it's just the Juilliard environment. Mm-hmm. Being around so many, not just musicians, but dancers and actors. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, and there's so many opportunities that just come across the desk. And it's like, oh, do you want to do this? Sure. You know, I'll sign up for it. And, you know, work with as many people as I can. Say yes to, to everything. Yeah. Well, I'm so I'm so happy for you that you are getting to have the, you know, this experience at Juilliard. Um, I really appreciate your being with us today and sharing your music. Thanks so much, Noah. Oh, thanks for having me. Noah Chen, 17 years old from Chicago, Illinois. Peter Dugan here, and I mentioned at the top of the program that one of the best musical training institutions in Chicago, the Merritt School of Music, is hosting our in-person work this week. And now we're going to meet some excellent young trombonists who study there. This trombone quartet is called the Bone Rangers, and every year four of the top teenage trombone students at Merritt have the privilege of becoming members. From the Top has featured several iterations of the Bone Rangers over the years, and this year's group includes two sets of siblings, Declan and Patrick Sullivan from Dyer, Indiana, and Owen and Callie Reardon from Evergreen Park, Illinois. We'll be hearing Callie on the bass trombone, by the way. They're performing excerpts from City of Arts and Sciences by David Falaris. Thank you. 
The Bone Rangers Trombone Quartet performed excerpts from City of Arts and Sciences by David Phalaris. And this group is made up of two sets of siblings, Deglin Sullivan, 18 years old, and his younger brother, Patrick, who is 15. And the Sullivans are from Evergreen, Illinois. And both of them are Jack Kent Cook young artists. And then we've got Callie Reardon, 14 years old, and her older brother, Owen, who's 16. And the Reardons live in Dyer, Indiana. They're coached at the Merritt School of Music in Chicago by Tim Reardon. You all played as such a great band just now. The more trombones, the better. What can I say? Definitely. Yes. yes. 100%. Now, before we get started, Deglin, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to say, because I'm on the radio. Hi, Mom. It's Deglin. I didn't get to say hi to you last time. I just wanted to say hi this time. Well, it's very nice that you gave a shout-out to your mom, Deglin, but hang on a second, because Owen... Your last name is Reardon, your sister's last name is Reardon, and your coach's last name is Reardon. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Could, yeah. there, could, it, could it be possible? Is there a relation there? <laughs> yeah, uh, Tim Reardon, our coach, is in fact my father, and Cal's as well. This is very exciting. Um, before you all played, I was actually talking about how your dad has coached many iterations, many generations of Bone Rangers. And so many of those groups have just blown us away on From the Top over the years, like you all did just now. Uh, so, Owen, you and Callie know your dad better than anyone else. What makes him such a great coach? Uh, he never gives up. And just the energy that comes from a person that never gives up and constantly strives to be better and go further is just something that is unmatched, especially in the music industry, I feel. And he has that quality about him 150% of the time, I'd say. Mm -hmm. It's really something special to work with him. This is Callie. Um, I would say he really just loves his students. And um, I feel like I feel it more because of my sister, my brother playing, but he just talks to us about how much he loves his students and how he wants the best for them. And I, mm. I think he just, you put your full self into them. Yeah. Well, you all play with so much spirit and the group is really tight. I mean, so tight that you even have developed some of your own lingo. In fact, you've got one particular word that I know you invented. It's a concept that's called padricizing. This is Declan, my little brother, Patrick. Yeah. Is, for lack of better terms, a character. And characters uh -huh. really like to make themselves heard. So we'd be in the Tremont Choir at Merritt, and, you know, Patrick would, Patrick would say something. Then he'd say something again. Mm -hmm. And um, after, after a few weeks of this, uh, we decided to resort to padricizing, where he can't talk anymore. That's, he can't. That's what the rule means, padricized. That means Patrick cannot open his mouth anymore. Can you use that in a sentence? Patrick, you have been padricized. All right. Now, Patrick, when are you going to turn the tables and tell Deglin that he's been deglicized? Is that never, will, will that ever happen? Um, I sadly can say I can never do that. He, I, I come in speaking at the wrong time most of the time, and he just doesn't. He says the right thing the right time and is funny with it, and I'm just none of those things more than half the time. Oh. Oh, no, don't, don't, aw, it's fine. <laughs> what, a, what a kind it's younger part brother. Of my, it's part of my... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think it's time to padricize Patrick. Let's, <laughs> let's um, you know, let's, let's talk about something else. You've, you've all got music in common, right? But when we asked each of you individually what you loved about playing music, you all actually had slightly different perspectives to offer. So can we just go around and have each of you share what you love about playing music? 
And let's start with Owen. Uh, the thing most special to me about playing music is really the influence on other people. It's really something special to see someone right after a concert and they've really enjoyed what you did. And to some, it's even life-changing. I think that's probably the best aspect for me. Yeah. What about you, Cal? Um, I love the performing aspect of it. Right. And I like the rush of it and getting dressed up in all black. It's just, I love mm. you can travel to, which is pretty fun. Yes, indeed. What about you, Patrick? Well, as my brother said, I am a character. So I like to let out my character esqueness on the nice. instrument when I've been padricized. <laughs> it's your voice. They can't silence they can't silence your trombone. They can't silence the one thing that they have me there to do, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and that leaves Deglin. Uh my favorite part about being a musician in general is just the people I've met along the way. I've met some of my best friends, some of them even in this room. Oh, thank you. That's a lovely <laughs> sentiment. I say thank you, like I'm one of them. <laughs> Well, he looked at, <laughs> now, now, Owen, he looked at you as he said it, as a beautiful sentiment, and I think, you know, it's a great way to wrap up our time together. Thank you all so much for being with us. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. The Bone Rangers, teenagers from Evergreen, Illinois, and Dyer, Indiana. I mentioned at the beginning of our talk that Deglin and Patrick were both Jack Kent Cook young artists. That means they both received a scholarship to pursue their music. For over 15 years, From the Top has partnered with the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation, and together we've given out over $3 million in scholarships to young musicians with financial need. We still have plenty of funding in the program, and if you want to apply, go to fromthetop.org and click on Apply. Okay, prepare yourself now for a massive piano performance. Jesse Gong from Jericho, New York is up next, and she's kind of a force of nature at the keys. At just 15 years old, here she is performing Moment Musico, Opus 16, number 6, by Sergei Rachmaninoff.
15-year-old pianist Jesse Gong from Jericho, New York, performed the sixth movement of Sergei Rachmaninoff's Momo Musico. And wow, everyone in the room right now is a little bit stunned, Jesse. That was really a striking performance. You play with so much power and so much passion. Just beautiful. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. This is a very good piano, I have to say. I'm glad you enjoyed playing it. Have you played a lot of Rachmaninoff or a lot of big romantic music like this before? Not before this year. And what do you what draws you to repertoire like this? What do you enjoy about it? It's there's is a lot of there are a lot, a lot of freedom that you can um, play with, and so you can do many. You can like experiment with this. It's mm-hmm. like a chemistry exper- experiment. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some experimentation that goes on with that. Well, I know you've checked out some recordings of Rachmaninoff himself playing his own music, and it's crazy how recordings of him playing his own music can be so different from the way more contemporary pianists have yeah. interpreted his stuff. Like, have you checked out the performance of Rachmaninoff performing his elegy in E-flat minor? Have oh, you ever heard no, that one? I haven't. Is it okay if, can I share it with you and can yeah, we kind yeah. of nerd out about it a little bit? Yeah. Cool. So here's the, here's Rachmaninoff playing his elegy. What are you hearing in this performance? What do you think? It has a very natural flow to it. Yeah. And it's faster than how people uh, play it right now. Uh-huh. And also, it's simpler, more natural in a good way. I bet if you were to play it like that in a lesson, you might find a teacher who tells you you're, <laughs> you're rushing a little bit because it is almost losing control. Let me show you another recording to give you a little contrast. This is a m- more modern recording by a very famous, another Russian pianist, Vladimir Ashkenazi. Mm-hmm. How do you feel this compares to what we just heard from Rachmaninoff playing? Ashkenazi took time on many chords and yeah. yeah. And the Ashkenazi one is more the emotions are more internal, I would say. Yeah, whereas Rachmaninoff wears his heart on his sleeve, huh? The Rachmaninoff recording, it gives me the like big picture or the the big picture of the piece. Much more clearer, like if I just listen to this clip. Right. Yeah, I think when we hear the Ashkenazi, he's kind of stopping to smell the roses, as they say, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's getting a little bit more stretched out. He's savoring every moment, whereas Rachmaninoff seems to just be able to fly through it and and just push right through. You know, it's almost more like he's improvising. It almost sounds like he's improvising it, right? Yeah, Well, it's so much fun to just sit and chat about this music with you and kind of nerd out. Thank you for doing that with me. It's really fun, yeah. Jesse, for you to get to this point where you can play this Rachmaninoff at the age of 15 shows a huge amount of work and discipline. But you say that working hard doesn't feel like a big deal for you anymore. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, at first when I... At first, I kind of felt like I was missing out when I was like nine or ten, but gradually it became a lifestyle for me. So when you say that it's a lifestyle for you, 
Um, does that mean that the sort of the harder you work on, on a regular basis, the easier it gets to, to keep putting that work in? Yeah, now after years and years of like working quite hard, it gets like natural. It's, it feels natural to me. Is there ever a day when you are able to turn off that hardworking side? Yeah, especially when there is an option to play and go out. I definitely will choose play. Nice. And, yeah. you're, and you're saying that with a big smile on your face, which is great to see too. Jesse, um, thank you so much for all that hard work that you do because it made it possible for us to enjoy your music today and what a treat it was. Thank you. Jesse Gong, 15, from Jericho, New York. You're listening to From the Top, and I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Did you know that From the Top posts short, beautiful videos of our young musicians every day? The series is called Daily Joy. Treat yourself to youthful inspiration daily. Sign up at fromthetop.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. From the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need, jkcf.org. And from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. From NPR, it's From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan, and coming up in the second half of the program, a new work for Piano Trio written by Taki Salama, a teenage composer from the Chicago area. Special thanks to the Merritt School of Music for hosting our in-person recordings in Chicago this week. Also, thanks to Susan and Gerald Slavitt for sponsoring my position as host of the program this year. Next up... 18-year-old Jeremy Foster from Washington, D.C. is our young performer, and he brings one of the sublime works for solo violin written by Johann Sebastian Bach.
We heard The Siciliana from Violence Not a Number One in G minor by Johann Sebastian Bach, performed by Jeremy Foster, our superb 18-year-old violinist from Washington, D.C. He's here with me right now. Jeremy, what a fabulously poised and elegant and graceful performance of that piece. I, I loved everything you brought to it. Oh, thank you. You, my friend, come from generations of professional musicians. Can you give me a brief sketch of your family's musical lineage? Sure. Well, my great-grandfather, John Kendall, um, is credited with bringing the Suzuki method to America. He right. went to Japan, and he learned about the method, and he came back and uh, shared it with other people. And then his daughter, my grandmother, went to Oberlin, played cello. She's not a cellist anymore, but she married my grandfather, who's a violist, and he recently retired from the National Symphony. Uh, and his son, my dad, uh, is currently in the National Symphony, and my mom is in the Washington National Opera Orchestra as a flutist. So cool. Plus, your cousin, Mr. Nicholas Kendall, is a great friend of mine and a great friend of From the Top. So he plays in Time for Three. Um, it's just, just so much fun to, to hear about your musical family. And aside from, from an inheriting music from your family, I know that your dad also passed on a love of math and physics. What concepts in math and physics have really captured your imagination? Well, I think my favorite thing in math is Pascal's triangle, which has so many applications. It's just an amazing thing. It's used in binomial multiplication and things like that. Sure. And um, in physics, I, I've been interested in dark matter. First, I was really mm. sort of skeptical of the idea of it because I didn't like the idea of this other form of matter that physicists don't even know what it's made out of or anything like that. Right. But I've come to accept that it has to exist. There's you've, no other explanation, <laughs> I think. You've resigned yourself to the existence of dark matter. Yes. It's good. You don't want to say too many bad things about dark matter. The dark matter will come for you. Yeah. <laughs> I want to bring this discussion of the, the knowable and the unknowable, the, the, the real and the mysterious, back to the violin. Because I read that your teacher, Rhonda Cole, taught you a sort of irrational method for nailing shifts on the violin. First of all, Briefly describe for us, what is a, a, a violin shift when we talk about a shift? And then what is this method that your teacher taught you? Yeah, well, on the violin, you have to, you can't just play on in one part of the instrument. Sometimes you have to go up or forward or towards yourself mm -hmm. on what's called the neck of the violin to get your fingers on different places on the strings to play higher notes. Right. Um, and sometimes getting those jumps can be difficult. You might play out of tune because you really have no idea where your finger might be. But um, what my teacher told me is that uh, a great method for nailing those shifts is thinking the word there in your mind, just the word there. Mm. And then uh, you'll nail it much more often than you would if you didn't say that or think that in your head. It's sort of like you're anticipating it, right? You're, yeah. you're preparing for what's about to happen. And I almost wonder if there's an element in there where you build in a split second of extra time, or at least like you feel like you have a little bit of extra time. Yeah, absolutely. A fraction of a second, and it helps you get there. And isn't there another paradox that you and your teacher have observed in terms of the fear of, of making a mistake in a performance? Yeah, I mean... You, one might think if you're getting up to perform, 
you need to really tell yourself not to make any mistakes, but that's not true. You have to allow yourself to make all the mistakes in the world. You, I find that if I tell myself, I'm just going to mess this whole thing up, <laughs> I, I'm much more likely not to do that. Right. And giving yourself the permission to, to make a mistake takes that pressure away a little bit and just lets yourself be free. And yes. Yeah. Well, the sweet mysteries of life and being an artist, it's a constant uh, joy, but also a, a perplexing life at times. Absolutely. And you're certainly learning that at your young age of 18. Uh, Jeremy, it's really so much fun to sit and chat with you. And thanks again for that beautiful performance. Yeah, thank you so much. Jeremy Foster, 18, from Washington, D.C. Peter Dugan here, and much of the program you're hearing today, including our next segment, was recorded in Chicago. Chicago is home to the fantastic Chicago Musical Pathways Initiative, or CMPI. Many of our young musicians this year have been part of it. CMPI is led by our hosts today, the Merritt School of Music, along with more than nine other Chicago-based music organizations, and it develops gifted, motivated orchestral students from underrepresented backgrounds for acceptance into top-tier college-level classical music programs. With support from the Mellon Foundation, it provides intensive training, financial resources, and a network of music professionals who guide each fellow toward success in the classical music field. You can learn more about them at chicagopathways.org. And on the subject of Chicago, Taki Salama, who's from Skokie, Illinois, just next to the Windy City, is up next on the program. He's a talented 18-year-old composer, and he and I met up in Chicago to check in before hearing his music. Thanks so much for being here today, Taki. I'm happy to be here. We're going to hear an excerpted version of a piano trio that you wrote. Tell me a little bit about it. So, yeah, the piano trio is definitely more absolute. There's not necessarily a program to it, but mm -hmm. it's based on um, some melodies I kind of wrote out and then expanded upon. Like, the ending is a big expansion of just one simple idea. Mm. Yeah, this is just a stunning performance of a stunning work that you wrote. We'll be hearing Gergana Harlampieva on violin, Samuel DiCaprio on cello, and pianist Thomas Weaver. Thank you. 
We heard Taki Salame's piano trio performed by violinist Gergana Harlampieva, cellist Samuel DiCaprio, and pianist Thomas Weaver. Taki, the 18-year-old composer of the piece, is sitting with me right now. And Taki, let me first just say how impressed I am with, with your, your creative voice that you brought to that piece, um, the, the range of texture and the way that you utilize the ensemble of piano trio is so varied throughout. Um, would you talk to me about what... what brings you what brings you joy in writing music in other words like what what's satisfying for you about being a composer I think this most satisfying thing for me um, about composing is definitely just the social aspect of it and seeing my music come alive I'm someone who I really love collaborating with people I I love people in general I just Mm -hmm. I love being around people I love (laughs) talking to people and honestly just writing music for people and just customizing a piece for the people I'm writing it for and then working with them throughout the process and seeing that piece come alive and just seeing what I created played and hopefully it brings audiences joy. That just means everything to me and it brings me so much happiness. Well, you know, your love of people, it inspires you to write music, but I also understand that it inspires other ideas of yours too. Like, uh, 
I know that you hope to start a, a musical project that destigmatizes disabilities. Where did that idea come from, and, um, and, and what's the context for this? So yeah, um, when, in terms of disabilities, I guess I specifically want to focus on mental health because it's something I personally struggled with for a while. Um, this past summer, I made the decision uh, not to go back to the Interlochen Arts Academy uh, to study music uh, for personal reasons, and I realized that I was not going to be going to regular school. I was going to be taking online classes. I'm not going to be seeing. I wasn't going to be seeing people every day, right. and that hit hard. And it wasn't an easy summer for me, for sure. Mm. And I mean. Ultimately, music is what got me through that and just being able to, uh, to connect with people. But I also realized it's just how powerful music is personally for me, and I imagine it's really powerful for other people too, and I hope I want people who struggle with mental health to be able to get the help they need. Mm. And yeah, I'm hoping I can do that through my art, but I mean, I really just want to help however I can. Well, it's, I mean, it's so wonderful that like you are thinking about these positive impacts that you can have as a musician. I'm really happy to say that From the Top has an opportunity to support your music with the Jack Kent Cook Young Artist Award that you'll be receiving. I read that when we called you to let you know about the scholarship, you almost didn't pick up. Yeah, so when I got the call, I got the like wireless caller thing and... <laughs> I thought that was a spam call, and then I was like, okay, but what if it isn't? So right. then I clicked answer, uh -huh. and then I found out. And I was in the uh, middle of uh, McCormick Place, which is kind of like this big, a big place where conventions are held. And I just remember I teared up in the middle of the oh. place. It was just a really, it just allowed me to know, like, I didn't have to, worry as much about money in terms of like being able to study music and my parents are incredible they'll I know they support me regardless of what our financial situation was but just knowing that I don't have to worry about paying for lessons because doing bassoon and composition lessons get expensive yeah um musical equipment is going to be covered I'll finally be able to buy my own composition software I've been um I've had a license that mm. renews monthly and it honestly meant everything to both my family and me. I remember telling my mom right after mm. and she was so happy for me. Man, it just, it just like fills my heart to hear you share that. I just want to say to you, the fact of the matter is this is, you earn this, you deserve this. And, and we're so, so happy that we, that we found you and that this money is going to a great young artist. So congrats. Thank you so much. Taki Salama, 18 years old, from Skokie, Illinois. I've got my own musical contribution to offer you as an ending to the program today. I hope it'll provide a nice, gentle denouement after all the drama of Taki's piece. This is Schumann's Arabesque in C major, opus 18. It's a tender work that sort of rolls along quite gently until the final few phrases of the piece which are just transcendent. I love playing this piece and I'm excited to share it for all of you today. But before I dive into that, I want to thank all the young performers we've met today, not just for sharing their music, but also for sharing their humanity. 
And to you, listening in the den, or driving the Camry, or walking your Labradoodle, thanks for being here. This is Peter Dugan. Please join me next week, and we'll take it from the top. From the Top is produced by Tim Banker and music director Megan Swan. Sound design and music editing by John Escobar with editing and mastering by Rodrigo Cuenca. Our production manager is Amanda Roth. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. Special thanks this week to Charles Grody and Kurt Gildow at the Mer-
Art School of Music in Chicago. Additional engineering assistance by Nicholas Wenzel at Valhalla Media in Chicago, Doug Ross at Turtle Studios in Philadelphia, and Edwin Hewitt at Octavian Audio in Mount Vernon, New York. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Senior Helpers, providing families with personalized in-home care for seniors and those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, and Parkinson's, committed to helping loved ones remain safe and independent at home, at SeniorHelpers.com. And from the Doris Duke Charitable Foundation, which aims to support the well-being of people and the planet for a more creative, equitable, and sustainable future. And from listeners like you who donate to this NPR station. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org.